Welcome back to PCO's Executive Speaker Series, a series where we provide our clients unfettered access to candid conversations with industry-leading CEOs, executives, and entrepreneurs on the most interesting and relevant topics of today. I'm Allie Berry, and I work in business development at Patrick Hoff Co., and today I sat down with Max Siegelman to discuss how he built one of the hottest apparel brands, his marketing strategy, and his vision for the company. Max, thanks so much for joining us. Um, we really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Um, maybe just to kick it off, we can start off with um, you telling us just what is Siegelman Stable and kind of how it's evolved. For sure. So Siegelman Stable itself uh, existed before I existed. Uh, my dad is a racehorse trainer. He started his own racing stable in the 80s. Uh, so if you see our, our hats, it says 1982 on the side, and we really stick true to staying to his brand. And I had nothing to do with racing at all. Uh, I worked in creative and social and marketing, uh, doing consulting for some athletes and some music artists and stuff. And fast forward to the pandemic, was stuck at home for uh, just like everybody else um, and had some extra time on my hands, wasn't traveling with clients and stuff. And uh, decided to just take his two existing logos that my mom actually hand drew for him in the 80s when he started his own stable um, and use it just on some hats and sweatshirts with no intention to sell it, just to uh, give it to family and friends and literally just started this whole thing with like three or 400 bucks. Um, wow. It was, uh, yeah, kind of wild, but and was just hit up enough through my own uh, social platforms um, where people could buy it and never really still intended to do it, even when that started happening. Uh, and then it just happened enough where I finally said, all right, let me put another few hundred bucks and make a few and just start a Shopify and try and, and sell some. And, and I always said, if we were going to do this to try and make money in any way that we would stay super close uh, and follow exactly what my dad's brand story and his, uh, his story is. Um, so that's partially also why we donate a portion of proceeds to different equine therapy programs, just because of all the things he did with his stable outside of just using it for his job and as a racing stable, but he opened it up to different uh, inner city youth programs in Newark, New Jersey, or uh, veterans programs uh, for equine therapy. So the, those suffering with PTSD and uh, kids with special needs. So uh, equine therapy is really at the core of our business as well. Wow, I had no idea about that. Um, when you did your dad like ever, what did he think of this or kind of did he ever try and sell it before? I mean, it seems kind of crazy that it was started all the way back then. Yeah. Uh, so does he think it's crazy? When I first started this, he's like, who the fuck is going to wear a Siegelman stable hat? That was <laughs> that was the line that potentially motivated me to want to even sell it more. Um, yeah. but, but no, he never really he never made anything to sell. He made stuff just for like folks who worked for him, uh, like groomsmen or, or assistant trainers and stuff. And maybe I think my grandpa had a hat and a jacket. Um, but it's funny enough, super short story. I actually found, because every now and then I'll see what's on resale of, of what we're selling. And I found this super old, like um, almost like a starter jacket type of look uh, on resale in a vintage store in Denmark. And it was literally the same logo, the same font type. Uh, and I reached out to the store and I was like, hey, what's the story with this jacket? And they said that they actually bought it at a vintage store in LA 
and sent it back to sell in, in Denmark. And I was like, can I buy it? Uh, because you couldn't buy it in the US. And I sent it to my fiance's family in Norway uh, and ended up getting it back. And long story short is my dad did make that jacket in the 90s for like five people who worked in his barn. And the guy was moving from New Jersey to Florida and one of the trucks got stolen. And I guess the jacket was resold to a vintage shop, but now I have it back, which is pretty wild. So, uh, so no, he didn't make anything to sell but he did make some just random stuff for, for people that worked with him. Wow. Well, it sounds like people liked the logo back then if they made it kind of all the way around the world and back it's in it. your long, hands. Long story R&D. I guess it was working then, so why not do it now? And you said your mom sketched out that initial logo? Yeah, she sketched out the two, the two initial logos, the, the one I think everyone knows, the one that's on the, hat, the front of the hat, and then there's another bigger like racing stable logo that we used on the sweatshirts initially too. Um, but since then, we've done obviously a bunch of other graphics and designs, but those were literally the only two I started with. So the hardest part was actually getting those and recreating them to a digital asset to be exactly the same uh, as was on the hat and the jacket that I had originally. Got it. Wow. That's so cool. Um, so I know you mentioned this briefly kind of in the intro, but that you launched during COVID. Do you think that that impacted kind of how quickly your brand took off or helped it or hurt it? Or what do you yeah. think about kind of the impact of COVID, I guess? Sure, I think it would never have existed if COVID didn't happen. I would never have sat down and had time and have done it. Um, I don't think ever, probably. Uh, so that, yeah, it definitely helped. I think the having the time and the opportunity to start something new on the side versus what I was doing um, obviously clearly made that an opportunity for me. Um, and then I also think just the networking and the close connections that I, I had always kept throughout eight or 10 years post-college and everything that I was doing. Um, but I think just expedited those types of um, conversations or networking experiences through social and through texts and calls and Zooms and FaceTimes as everyone else was doing. So it definitely um, affected this happening uh, in, in a positive way, for sure. Interesting. Um, and what, I know you mentioned kind of like the networking, but what has your marketing strategy been to date? Because I know there are just so many photos of celebrities and your hats. Did you have a full seating strategy or what was your marketing initiatives? Yeah, so we have spent zero dollars in marketing, uh, which is pretty crazy. Uh, the only real unheard of. <laughs> yeah, the only real marketing we do is like our own campaigns and making sure that the quality of our campaigns, whether it's just video, just photos, or it's video and photo, we're we're telling a story and we're doing it well. Uh, especially when we do these collaborations, because I think sometimes people think you're just doing them to do them, but there's more to the story. And we just did one with Muhammad Ali. And obviously when you just look at Muhammad Ali, you see him as a boxer and a, uh, a public advocate for, for a ton of different things. And then you look at Siegelman Stable and you're like, okay, so where's that going? Um, but behind closed doors, you didn't, no one really knows of the story of Muhammad Ali having horses uh, at his um, Deer Lake estate where he trained in Pennsylvania. And he's from Kentucky, which is the horse capital of the world. So he did have deep roots and connections to horse racing. So through our marketing efforts with our own content, uh, that's where we really put a lot of effort and emphasis. Um, but we definitely see a handful of people every now and then for different capsules that we're releasing. Um, probably one early on, it was probably the first, one of the first times I started seeding super early on in the pandemic. 
I don't think I've told this story many times, but it's sports related. So I'll, I'll do it real quick here. Um, I got the address and I won't say from who for the bubble uh, at Disney where the NBA was, was playing. Um, and all you really have to do is change the name of the player and the team name. Uh, and I use these bright red boxes. Uh, so from my understanding, when you sent the boxes, they went to this like lunch area or dining hall where all the players would have breakfast and all the packages would go there every morning and they would have to like decipher through and find them. So uh, I made it bright red and I just changed the, the team name, the player name and sent it to about 10 or 12 different players who mostly I had zero connection with. Uh, and we were lucky enough to get a handful of them to wear it. Uh, a bunch of them, I won't name to look at our Instagram and like looking at seeing who's looking at our story when we had 220 followers on Instagram or whatever it was when we first started. Um, but that was kind of like, like a little trick or I don't know what you would call it <laughs> that, that I use like early on to get it in people's hands. Um, Cause there was a lot less barrier to entry at that point. Once you had yeah. that address and they were kind of, the players were kind of running free in there. They didn't have their usual like circles and bubbles around them. So it kind of made it quote unquote easier. Yeah, a captivated audience. Uh, wow, that's smart. Um, I mean, that's crazy that you spent zero marketing. I mean, most so many other apparel companies you talk to and they're just spending crazy amounts on all of that. So it's very impressive that you guys were able to kind of come up with just a unique, different way of kind of taking that on. Um, what it, So I know you mentioned also briefly, but what did you do prior to launching this brand and kind of did you have background in marketing or what was your previous job or roles? Yeah, my, my background is all in uh, creative and social marketing, uh, like coming up with different creative concepts, whether it was album release concepts for music artists or uh, just social strategies or anything like that. So I did a bunch of consulting work for, like I said, different athletes and music artists and stuff before this. And even before that, when I was in college, uh, had a, a social aggregation app that I created with one of my best friends, older brothers, and we're lucky enough to partner with LL Cool J and bring him on as a co-founder. And that kind of opened up a lot of doors for me in the entertainment space, mostly in, in music and hip hop music, and just start networking and get some good relationships and be able to just utilize that and did a ton of work for free just to keep relationships. So um, I think all of those things definitely help snowball into when I finally had something of my own to, uh, to go back to them with and, and use them. Yeah. That, I mean, relationships last longer than you realize, and you yeah. never know when you're going to need something. And so I feel like that always pays off. Um, I guess now flash forward to kind of where the company is now, um, kind of how big is the company? Have you decided to outsource anything or is it fully all done in-house? Um, kind of give us that big picture. Yeah, uh, big picture is actually a small picture. Uh, my fiance and I are the only two that do this uh, to date. We do not, we don't even do this full time, but we're very close to uh, be doing this full time. Uh, we both have jobs otherwise, though it feels like sometimes this is this is the <laughs> one. Um, yeah, so we uh, we do everything in house, uh, including fulfillment, design, fulfillment, um, all that good stuff. We make all of our clothes in the U.S. I think it's uh, super important for us as we're super uh, just environmentally conscious uh, and try and do our best early on because as you get bigger, it's hard to to get back to that. Um, so so we try and be super conscious. We make everything in uh, New York and New Jersey, which is where we are um, 
Uh, and then in terms of outsourcing stuff, we, we did attempt for a few months about this time last year uh, and had a really horrible experience with the fulfillment facility, but it was really expensive, but good learning experience for us being that neither of us have ever ran our own uh, clothing business or fulfillment side of a business that was needed. So um, it was good to understand what it took and what can go wrong and definitely everything that could go wrong. Um, but to understand that we could do a better job and we could bring people in just hourly to help us out with those types of things. And um, so, yeah, at this point, everything is in house and no real plans to change anything significant from that standpoint. That's impressive. Um, why do you think you've been so successful? I mean, there's so many other sweatshirt and hat and apparel companies out there. What do you think your edge is? Yeah, there's a few things. I think the biggest one, and I always say this, is like it, it, now any anyone can have their own brand. I think the creator economy is so crazy and at some point could end. I think like there really needs to be a story. There needs to be like a heritage story with a new brand to be able to tell that story and have a purpose. So I think it's it's been, I mean, we're lucky enough where we have a real story. There's heritage to it, to the brand. Um, and we have a purpose and we give back to that purpose. Um, so I think as long as we stay true to that, we'll outlast a lot of those uh, content creator brands. I totally get the content creator um, uh, world uh, in terms of, of creating their own e-com. Like they have an audience, they have a following, those people are going to buy stuff and that's how they make a living. I totally get that. But I think the ones that are really going to outlast those are ones that have real true roots to a, to a heritage story. So I think that's part of it. I think the other part of it too is um, I think the, there's something to the logo and obviously Polo Ralph Lauren is a horse. And I think there's just something to, um, the aesthetic of it. I think there's like the relatability side to it. And then there's also like an aspirational side to it. Uh, some of the first celebrities that wore our stuff were hip hop artists that tell, say their story. They came from nothing. They're from the inner cities of, of Atlanta. Um, and, and a lot of them, uh, may have never even seen a horse in person uh, or rode a horse or been to a, to a race, but they see that horse logo and they, they think it's, it's pretty cool or aspirational or they want to get closer to that. And then you have the Kendall Jenners and the Bella Hadids of the world who grew up with horses and it's still cool to them. And it's something that they really uh, are into. So I think you can play both sides. And I think the way you tell the story, especially through the different campaigns and different collections that you do, uh, hits on a lot of that different stuff. And, and we've tried to navigate both of those, uh, but also be inclusive of both of those the whole time. That makes sense. Yeah, no, I I mean, I feel like you've done the, this amazing job of kind of opening up the market and you can kind of get all ends of the spectrum from all walks of life and all types of people, which is really interesting and amazing. Um, do you think that the raw material or the quality of the product is super um, important to you? Or are you very focused on maintaining that? Um, or have you looked at like changing that at, up at all? Yeah, I mean, to be fully honest, we haven't even started. I mean, we've started and we've developed and we already have like our own cut and sew stuff, which is like, to me, the most exciting thing that we're going to start doing. I think to this point, like all we've done is like use blanks and use our own logos that we've used. And I'm like, that that's great. And that's how we built this brand. But to be what we want to be and to continue to elevate and become like the real luxury stuff and put out the real luxury stuff that we want to put out. I think that that's where we're about to enter that next phase very soon in the next few months um, with those cut and sew pieces, uh, creating our own hat molds, like all of these things that really just take your brand to the next level. 
Um, and we're really like right on the on the cusp of, of being at that point and ready to start to release some of that stuff. Um, and yeah, and to go back to just like the materials and stuff is like we we put a lot of effort into having that, uh, having like the best quality material that we could possibly have um, and making sure that we're staying uh, eco-friendly and conscious of that and, and using the material, the raw materials that uh, either there are upcycled or organic cottons and, and all of that. And that's super important to us. Um, but to have only an e-commerce store and every now and then do a pop-up or an activation, uh, you do need some of these big name people to, to wear your stuff, to give it a little bit of validation where like, oh, if it's good enough for them and it's good enough for me, because it's tough when you're just an e-com brand or start on e-com, uh, people are going to, if they're going to pay $58 for a hat or $62 for a hat or over a hundred bucks for a sweatshirt, you want to make sure that the stuff that you're putting out is, is legit and feels good and everything is right. Uh, and it's hard to portray that just through photos and stuff. So having some of those individuals wear it definitely helps move that. Yeah, kind of jumping off of that, how do you think about, I, it seems like you've been very intentional about the collaborations that you've done, limited drops. How do you think about kind of the speed of your growth as a, when you're thinking from a company level, how do you think about the speed of your growth, like the cadence of the drops, the how often you do collaborations, creating scarcity in the market? Um, what's your thought process been there? Yeah, when, when I first started doing this and first started selling, I, I mean, I, I think I did something that's not very not not very like uh new to the market i guess like supreme had that drop model you knew when supreme was putting it out you knew if you were in there in the first three seconds you were fucked and you're not getting that same with eric emmanuel right so like i just followed that model and i would do drops on fridays 1 p.m and as you continue that cadence and consistency people know where they can get your stuff and know where to be to get it um we still do that drop model now uh obviously numbers are in a much greater, uh, greater way, but obviously as you grow, that's, that's what you want. Um, and we can get to a point where we may have always on products and you see Supreme now, or you can go onto the Supreme website at any time and get something, maybe not everything. Uh, so I think we'll continue that, that those limited capsules and those limited drops. And then maybe at some point have some always on products. Like I understand this is a, a business also, and need to continue to have revenue. And, but I also don't want to take away anything from what we have built in terms of the hype and the resale. And I keep a super close eye. If, if there's 60, 70, 150 hats on grailed on resales, like I'll just not drop anything for two months. Like and back, uh, I haven't dropped anything in the last three weeks. I have plenty of stuff that I could, but I haven't. <laughs> Uh, so our next our next drop is next Friday and it's a full a full collection and we haven't done a full collection now since uh, Muhammad Ali in May so trying to just just feel it out understand what our audience is looking for our community is looking for understand if it's growing still when you're not doing it obviously that's a good sign but looking at these these resale websites is definitely part of the tactic um, for us at least and then in terms of collaborations um, I mean, that's definitely a huge piece of the marketing too. It's like, if you can collab with someone who's been around for a while, a bigger brand than you, uh, uh, an NBA team, uh, uh, NHL team, uh, whoever, um, those are the types of things that, uh, you start inundating yourself with different communities. Uh, you start growing your own following and you start telling your story, but to a new audience in a, in a different way. So that's definitely been a super important piece for us in, in terms of growth. And kind of jumping off of that, do you have a dream collaboration 
a person, brand? <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I think if you asked me this uh, way back when I first started, I probably would have said that the typical Supreme and Kith and uh, I might have even thrown like an English Premier League team in there because I'm a, I'm a soccer guy. Um, but at this point, I, I think it's like things that make things have to really, really make sense to, to do it and to be able to tell that story. Uh, there's a ton of different reasons to do stuff. We're a New York brand. So if a New York team wants to do something, we can create that story. Uh, if there's something to do on the equine side of things or like they're just the story needs to make sense for us to do something at this point. Um, but I still stick to my guns that a collaboration or that collaborations for us um, is just a super important piece of our marketing efforts just in general. Got it. I know it's, it's a shitty answer, but no one. I mean, really did, but... I'm shocked. I would have thought, I mean, when yeah. you start a brand, no, I, I, could say like Corella, one... I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shoot high. Okay. <laughs> um, was there a moment that you felt like you were really on something like one brand reached out and you were like, oh my God, this is amazing. I never thought this would happen. Or one person reached out or how did you know that you really had something tangible to work with and that you were kind of willing to put your head down and really do something with the brand? Yeah, it's a good question. I think there were a few things just along the way, like early on, um, I think like within the first uh, within two weeks, not within two weeks of me starting this, but within two weeks of each other, the first two celebrities to wear it was Gunna, the rapper in the music studio wearing the the sweatshirt, actually, it wasn't even wearing the hat. And, uh, and then a week later, Future was wearing the hat in a music video. And I was like, okay, this is, well, first of all, she was like my favorite music artist. When I was building Siegelman Stable in my studio apartment by myself, I would just have like future music videos on in the background. So like, feel like I kind of manifested it a little bit. So I think like yeah. that super early on, because that was only maybe like four or five months into me doing this. And I'm like, damn, if I could do that in four months, like why can't I do more and more? And then, yeah. and then a few months after that, Kendall Jenner wore a hat at Paris Fashion Week. Um, and then there's just kind of been those snowball effects like slowly of different individuals wearing it. And then just, again, like some of these collaborations that have all been inbound to this point and blessed with those opportunities that we haven't really had to pitch ourselves to do any of these things um, has just been really insane. Uh, I mean, we even got the opportunity to be a part of one of the biggest Super Bowl parties last year with uh, Johnny Walker Blue and Don Julio in 1942. And we did the Blue 42 event with them out in Phoenix. So um, yeah, I mean, we've been given some really, really crazy opportunities just as a brand that's really been doing this for not even three years. Um, and I guess started by mistake-ish. Uh, so it's kind of, uh, it's kind of <laughs> a wild ride. So, uh, put a little strategy behind it now, obviously. So trying to, to really just continue to push in the right direction with it. Yeah. So kind of going off of the direction, what is your long-term vision for the brand? Do you hope to be around forever? Are you hoping that this will evolve into another type of company or what's your long-term vision? Yeah, um, it's hard to know, right? Um, I think if you sat down and we had this conversation a year ago, I probably would have been wrong about where we're at now, right? So I think I, I hit an inflection point probably uh, in the first month of this year and was like, do you want to be a brand that's around for another eight months and sell a few million dollars in hats and be like, this was fucking awesome and move on to the next thing? Or do you really want to, put more time and effort, um, blood, sweat, and tears and money into this and be around for a long time. Uh, and I chose the harder one. So I plan on <laughs> doing this for a long time. 
continuing to grow the brand, um, slow and strategic as we have, um, and to partner and bring people in uh, that are strategic and right and have the same vision and understanding for where we want to bring it. Got it. Have you raised money or do you own this completely? To this point, we have not raised a dollar. Uh, that could change in the next bit here, if you ask me in a few weeks or months. Uh, <laughs> okay, <we've> noted. Had, <laughs> we've definitely had uh, a lot of inbound requests over the last year, and I've paused on all those conversations for a super long time. Um, but I think, like what I was just saying, when I hit that inflection point, I think you really start to see what the value is and obviously having a, a bit of an influx of cash and different things that you can do. I don't think even if if and when we take money, I don't think it would really change the course and the trajectory of what we want to do and the speed that we want to do it. I think it just allows you the opportunity to do a lot more uh, at once. And I think as long as those people that we get involved, if we get them involved, uh, are on the same page, then I would be super comfortable with, with doing that. Interesting. All right. Well, we will keep that in mind. Um, but I guess moving on to something a little bit more interesting and artistic, do you have any inspirations from like a creative or design perspective, either individuals or brands that you kind of look up to? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I grew up playing soccer. I played soccer all through college. I think you look at some of, and I was a goalie. So if you look at some of those like old school, like goalie uniforms that like Adidas and Diodora and like Lotto had, like now you see those are back and like in style, that's like acceptable to wear with like jorts that are back for all of <laughs> I don't know if I've got that in me, but uh, I think like, I love looking at those things from like the eighties when Siegelman Stable was first created and how we can recreate a modern look of that. And that's a lot of what we do when we do a lot of these collaborations, like, especially if it's a sports team and we did something with the San Antonio Spurs last summer. So like the first thing we do is like, San Antonio Spurs 1980s jerseys or warmups and like you look back at what these guys were wearing and you try and get a little bit of inspiration from that and, and bring it into what you're working on and how it can fit. Um, in terms of individuals, I had a really good relationship with Virgil Abloh before he passed and, um, and did some stuff with him and I think just what he's done for streetwear and luxury and architect and this and that and everything that he had his hands in um, is is, is nuts uh, and will never be forgotten. So I think a lot of those things uh, are definitely things that I think about at certain points along the way. Um, but I think I just take it from just overall in general, just different things happening in culture. I've always been super um, keened in on everything happening in culture and understanding what's happening in different verticals, whether it's music or sports or fashion or anything and, and, and our art and trying to incorporate those things into what we're doing now. Uh, I think is important. I think that's how you stay um, relevant every time you do something new. I mean, makes sense. And it seems to be um, working so far for you. Um, who are, what are some of the biggest challenges that you would say you've faced as a brand? I know that you probably had some struggles like as you first started and then more recent ones as well. Um, but kind of what would you say like the biggest challenge you all have faced is? I mean, I give you a list of challenges today. Uh, <laughs> like, I think every day is is more and more challenges. I think you, as you do better and as you grow, you just have more and more challenges. And I think while building this and never having built 
a brand from the ground up, never having been in fashion and building a fashion brand. Uh, you just don't know what you don't know. And I think sometimes that's a positive because you just start doing it your way. Um, and I've, I've done it that way for the most part. And I think the only one time that we talked about in terms of fulfillment and rapid growth and just things that you hear from people who think they know better than you and put your, them in your shoes, but they don't really understand everything that's going into it. So I always say that like, you should always listen to people with your, as like a sponge and absorb what they have to say, but really think if like, if they've done this before, then maybe you listen a little harder and, and, and everything, but, uh, I would always just question everything. Um, so I think questioning everything and trying to do things your way, as long as it's working out uh, and moving in the right direction is, is the best way to do it, in my opinion. Got it. And it sounds like you've had some great mentors. So you have found some people who've done it before who are able to probably help you and guide you, people that you can listen to or trust. Um, sure. And most of them have done it their way too. So it's not necessarily yeah. going to work out, work out the same way or want to try and mimic what they did. So yeah, you take little things here and there from different people and make it work for you. Sure. Um, have you ever had to deal with fakes or copies that you found out there on the web or whoever's trying to make copies of these hats? Yeah, we keep our lawyer busy. Uh, <laughs> we've had a few, we've had a few capsules uh, or projects or collabs that have gotten some really, really good press attention pre-release and have seen fakes or have had crazy bot attacks at, at drop times. And like Muhammad Ali one, we had one of the three hats that we released was like ate up by a bot in 30 seconds and we caught it and we refunded the bot all their money and then restocked the hats right away. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it happens. It, it's, it's pretty wild, but it's why you file for trademarks and, and all that. Yeah. Um, and why you get good lawyers. Wow. I hadn't even thought about like the bots online. I was thinking more just people on the street selling fakes and that type yeah, of stuff, no. but I walk up Canal Street pretty often. I haven't seen any C1 stable on Canal Street. Uh, makes me kind of want to do a little pop-up on Canal Street, honestly. <laughs> um, but just online fakes for sure. We, we've had and we've seen and send a season desist and most yeah. of matter. I think I think those bother me less than when I, I've seen like a bachelorette party do like Caitlin Stable with like the logo. And like, <laughs> like but uh, you don't go after those people. You got to- yeah. <laughs> those are all those are all positives, but in the moment when you first see it, you're like, "What the fuck?" Yeah. <laughs> well, that's how you know people love the brand. It's clear. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's flattery at that point. Um, what are some of the new things? I you mentioned kind of like the cut and sew, but what are some of the new things you want to start making? Are there other categories that you'd like to enter that you aren't currently in? Yeah. So I think first off, just continuing to elevate what we're doing, uh, creating more pieces. Um, something I'm super excited about is uh, recreating my dad's like tracksuit uh, that's more more street acceptable, but uh, all cut and sew. Um, so definitely the cut and sew is like the top of the list. Uh, I every now and then will make a custom piece for like myself, and then those are the pieces that everybody wants. I'm making like a custom tuxedo, and I'll post it on Instagram <laughs> story every now and then. Every time I do like a fitting or an adjustment, uh, and like everyone like wants those, it's like pretty hilarious. Um, but yeah, I think I mean it'd be cool to enter some other spaces, whether it's like, it's, I mean, it's tough to say, um, but like home goods is like a cool thing, right? But it's like, we're so young, it's like stick to what we what really wanna do. And there's always room for growth as you continue to grow and like do other stuff. 
Um, but we always try and include like one, one little like trinket or like piece with a, with a capsule um, as like an add-on uh, piece that may, may not necessarily be like a, a hat or an apparel piece. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and I guess kind of thinking through what are your thoughts on the, I, we mentioned it a little bit, but the creator economy kind of influencers creating their own merch. And if there was an athlete who has a large following and was kind of considering creating their own brand or create, what are your thoughts on kind of where that whole, the creator economy is going? Do you have a broad kind of landscape opinion on, on that all? I know you said you thought that might go away or something, which I think might be a little controversial. I, would, I, don't, so I actually, for, for, for your folks, I actually don't think it is, it is as controversial because I think that the athletes that you guys have, it's like, they have a real story. Like they should be creating their own stuff. They're a business. They should. Uh, it's more so like, the personalities or the influencer that's built off of whatever they talk about all the time. And then all of a sudden they just drop apparel, but it's like, what, what are you doing? Like, which is cool. Like there's room for everyone. I don't hate on anyone. I get yeah. plenty of DMs that influencer X, Y, Z and influencer one, two, three is like copying your look and your vibe. And I'm like, that's cool. There's room for everyone. They'll figure it out. But like, as long as you stick to what you want to do, I'm like, that's the only way to succeed in my eyes. In terms of the athlete side of stuff, so like that's how I feel about the 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 content creator economy. Like, it, I think it's cool. I think it's great. I think it's an amazing opportunity for them to monetize their platforms, and they should do it. Uh, I just question the longevity. That's the only thing. Yeah. And I mean, there's two sides to that. Other people would, would would have something else to say. I think for athletes, I think it's I think it's super important to have your own brand. Um, I think like your your athletic career is a certain time period uh, in your life. So what can you do during that to help better you after is super important. Um, so whether that's latching on to existing brands and attaching yourselves into different spaces, like while you're still playing um, and not relevant, but more relevant and spoken about in, that, in those moments, I think is important. So I think if those individual players want to create their own brands, I think it's super smart and special um, because again, they do have a, a real story. Uh, that they're telling um, and they can express that any way they wish, whether it's through fashion and apparel or headphones or whatever it is. Uh, so I, th I think it's great. Yeah. Okay. So may that might be kind of a great, <laughs> well, that might be a great kind of coming to one of my last, I think this might be my, have to be my last question, but um, if there was kind of one piece of advice that you had for any of the athletes who are thinking about kind of starting their own brand or trying to tell their story to a larger audience and kind of if they were looking to create apparel or merchandise or any sort of brand, is there one piece of advice that you have or kind of anything, any words of wisdom that you can share with them? Yeah, I guess the two biggest things is like stay true to who you are. Don't just don't just create a random name and just throw it out there and have no real brand story. So stay true to who you are and, and have that story and, and stick with it. And then the other one is just go and do it. Like just go and do it. Cause I think a lot of, a lot of not just athletes, but individuals who just like want to go and start something, they just like sit there and they're like, what color should this be? And what adjectives should we use to describe it? And what should we do here and this? And it's like, like you might as well hire an agency and sit in a, a conference room for four hours and sip coffee and nothing get done and <laughs> the interns come and go and get you stuff it's like just go and do it so I think yeah. like those two things are like what at least gets it moving and you can adjust and change as you go yeah 
always. I mean, I feel like there's always room for growth and kind of you can always pivot. But um, I, I mean, it, it's impressive to hear that you started this with, what, 300 bucks and kind of just starting this out of your own house during COVID when the world was upside down um, and kind of just with your own friends and family, it sounds like. So it really, I mean, if anyone can do it, um, these guys have a story to tell. And I, I think a lot of people um, will benefit from kind of that advice. So that makes a ton of sense. But um, I think those were all kind of the questions that we wanted to run through today, but thank you so much for joining us, Max. I mean, this was super interesting and, um, every, <laughs> I'm being told I need to put on the hat. So, um, this is the PCO hat. So everyone should keep an eye out for these. Um, they're coming in the summer gifts. Um, so everyone keep an eye out for that, but, um, thank you again, Max, for joining us and we're, um, thankful to have you. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on.